You're listening to a sermon on the Mission Ridge Church Podcast. Hang around after the sermon for more information about Mission Ridge Church. Sermon notes for this message or any of our other messages can be found through our website, missionridge.church. Thank you for joining us today. We hope you enjoy the message. We are continuing our series called Inhale, Exhale. This is our series on the Sabbath. And the first couple of weeks in particular, they were uh, pretty theoretical. They're about the, why do we Sabbath? What does this mean for us? And today we want to start to move into the practical. Now we'll have to do maybe a little more theory before we get into practical, but halfway through, I promise uh, this will become practical for us. We've heard the, the phrase, the joy of the Lord is our strength. Have you ever wondered what in the world does that mean? <laughs> uh, I, I think in terms of uh, what Gracie shared in her video when she said that, you know, I, I heard all these verses. I, I know what these verses say when it comes to uh, God loving me. And, and like from an intellectual standpoint, like I, I understand it. But from a practical standpoint, do I always feel like God loves me? And the same way, I know that as Christians, we're supposed to be joyful. Like that's uh, it's one of the things we talk about. We definitely talk about every Christmas, right? It's one of the uh, candles that we light. And, uh, and I'd have to say, as your pastor, um, I have theorized on it more than I've practiced joy. I would say... Uh, my experience with joy within the last three weeks has probably exceeded my experience with joy, maybe the other 52 years of my life. Isn't that interesting? Isn't that, I've experienced joy more consistently in the last three weeks than I had maybe my entire existence, even as a Christian's. So we're going to talk about joy today. And we're not going to just, like, we have to talk some theory because there's some really cool information that's coming out about how our brains work and, and, and joy and, and all this kind of stuff. A lot of what we're going to talk about comes out of a book called The uh, Other Half of Church. It's written by Jim Wilder. He calls himself a neurotheologian. And uh, what that means is he has his PhD in clinical psychology. So he understands the brain. He understands how... The, the gray matter up here works if you have it. Uh, and then uh, he also has his master's in theology. So he understands both our design, what God's been doing to, in our design and what God's been saying for thousands of years. The other author is uh, Michael Hendricks. And Michael is, uh, has been a discipleship pastor and, uh, and they met years ago and, and, and really started talking about how, how did God design us and, and uh, what does scripture say? Let's, let's bring these two worlds together because uh, as uh, John Townsend, Dr. John Townsend said, um, psychology is bending its knee to the scriptures and not the other way around. 
what we are learning about the brain. We've, we've actually learned more about the brain in the last 10 to 20 years than, than we had in the entire human history. What, we, what you and I grew up learning in high school and college about the brain was infantile language compared to what we know today. Like now we could start talking like adults and who knows what we'll know in another 10 to 20 years. But that's what we got to understand. Like what we were taught 20 years ago, 30 years ago, that was infantile language compared to what we know today. And we'll talk about some of that as we, as we go along, because it plays into our design and how we're supposed to experience joy. Now, um, Jim Wilder will tell you that there are seven major emotions, seven major emotions. There's joy and then sadness, anger, fear, shame, disgust, and despair. Seven major emotions. Joy is supposed to be our default emotion. It's supposed to be our default emotion. Joy comes out of the right side of the brain. Comes out of the right side of the brain. This next picture is a picture of the brain. And what we have to understand is that information comes into our brain on the right-hand side gets processed there. The right-hand side of the brain is, is working faster than the left-hand side of the brain. It's, it's very relational-driven. It's very picture-driven. And then the information travels through the, across the front of the brain and then to the left-hand side of the brain. And that's where we start to think in terms of logic and words, and we're able to actually put words to our experience. So joy is a right brain function. It's supposed to be our core emotion. God designed our brains to run on joy. Think in terms of putting the wrong kind of fuel into your truck. I've done that before. No bueno. (laughs) You put gasoline into a diesel engine and it runs a little bit, and then it doesn't. It's the same thing. Like we're supposed to operate off of a joy. And what happens when instead of joy, we're our, our baseline emotion is fear or our baseline emotion is shame or, or disgust or sadness. What happens when we have the wrong emotion driving the bus? How does that work? Uh, what's the, Disney or the Pixar movie, is it Inside Out? Like, go watch that again after listening to this sermon. What they're talking about there is brilliant. And it's biblical craziness. Um, joy also shapes the, the chemistry, the structure, and the growth of our brain. If we, as infants, are experiencing joy that's going to help us grow in better ways. It's going to shape what happens. It's going to shape our experience. And joy lays the foundation of how well we will handle relationships, emotions, pain, and pleasure throughout our lifetime. Joy is primarily transmitted through the face, especially through the eyes, but also through the voice. 
Think about the infant and you pick up the infant and they don't have language yet, right? They're, they're operating out of their left brain. They're, they haven't, they haven't operated out, started operating out of their right brain yet. They don't know how to use logic, but they see your face. And what happens when your face lights up, they go, oh, they're happy with me. This is a safe place. I could grow here. I could thrive here. You come walking through the door and your spouse or your best friend or your, or your mom or your aunt and their face lights up. And you're like, oh, I'm safe here. And, they, and, and their voice says, you're, we're so glad you're here. Think about that experience. That is supposed to be our default experience. Our default experience. Joy is relational. It's relational. First and foremost, it's through the relationships that we have with each other. We're supposed to transmit it to each other. It's supposed to go bi-directional, by the way. It's not supposed to be a uh, mono, one direction, you know, just a, I get it and I don't ever give it away kind of thing. Uh, notice that Logan, when he was talking about his experience uh, at the uh, aquarium, he says, I experienced so much joy. Could you, could you tell the joy? Like, was he, was he telling the truth when he said it? Absolutely. Why? Because he was, he was experiencing his God. He was experiencing his God in that moment. We'll, we'll talk more about that. Uh, joy, by the way, is, is important to God and to us. He's a relational being. And he wants you to experience his joy. And he wants to experience joy because of you. I loved how Logan prayed. Like we are worshiping to remind you, God, that we love you. We want you to experience joy from us, Lord. But we need to remind ourselves of how much you love us. It's relational and it's important. So again, joy is primarily transmitted through the face. We, and we see that in the scriptures. In number 6, 24 through 26, it says this, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his face in, in, the, in Hebrew, that word is face, on you and give you peace. This great blessing of the Old Testament says that we are to experience God's face. That's important for us to experience his face. The psalmist says this, in your face, in your presence, in the English, but quite literally in the Hebrew, in your face is the fullness of joy. In your face is the fullness of joy. The psalmist knew that we are supposed to experience God's face towards us. In fact, anytime in the Old Testament and the New Testament where we see uh, in the English, his presence and joy, it's always face. Those translating, those writing down the words for us in Hebrew and in the Greek, 
They use the word face. It's not just the fact that God's physically around us. That's cool. It's that God's face is towards us, that God wants you to experience him in, the, in an intimate way. And, uh, you know, I didn't plan the video for, for Gracie as part of our, so I didn't tell her what to talk about. But man, could you just not see in her face the joy that she's experiencing as she experiences intimacy with God in a new way? If you want to watch that video again, we'll give it to you. Because that's supposed to be our experience with God. That's supposed to be our experience with God. And we can experience joy through engaging Christ in our hearts. This is a heart level thing that that takes place. Uh, Paul wrote these words for God who said, light shall shine out of the darkness is the one who has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. We can experience that face of God in our hearts. We'll talk about how to practically do that. The apostles, by the way, they knew that joy was relational John says this, though I have many things to write to you, I have things to instruct you on. I do not want to do so with paper and ink, but I hope to come to you and speak to you face to face so that your joy may be made full. Go back to what I talked about, like joy is, is, uh, is a left brain thing, Right. And all of the information in our brain gets processed through the left brain, comes in, comes to the forward. And our left brain says, this is either safe or it's not safe. I'm accepted or I'm not accepted. I have, I have a relational attunement. I have connection within the community or I don't have connection. So I am safe or I'm not safe based upon the relationships that I have. Comes through there, goes to the other side and then comes out. And now we could put words to what we're hearing, what we're seeing on the screen. Like I could translate this. If I don't feel like I'm safe in the room, if I, if the apostle John shows up and I don't feel safe, then the hard words that John has to say are going to be hard for me to hear. I think John's going, I got some tough things to say guys, but I want you to know that we are okay. We are good. You are safe. I enjoy you. How different in your experience is hearing hard things when that person showed you through their, their face and through their voice that you were accepted, that you were loved. This is one of the reasons why relational discipleship is so important. When people come walking through these doors, when people show up to care group, when they show up to life transforming group, can they tell that we're glad that they're there in whatever environment that is? Because if they don't feel relationally connected, none of the words matter. None of the words matter or they matter less. They don't hit the same way. Jesus knew that his joy was indispensable to it. Like we need this. 
In John 15, he says, these things I have spoken to you so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be made full. John 17, he's praying. He's praying for us. He's praying for the, the, the current church and the future church. He says, but now I come to you. He's going to the father and these things I speak in the world so that they may have my joy made full in themselves. We need joy. Oh, and by the way, joy doesn't replace unpleasant emotions. We sometimes get that wrong. Like, like we think that because we have joy, we could just ignore the negative emotions. That, that's just not true. Uh, Jim Wilder and Michael Hendricks says this, instead it combines with my emotions to keep me relationally connected in distress. Joy keeps me relationally connected in distress. We might refer to it as a supra emotion because it could go on top of and connect with our emotions. So let's say I lose my job. What kinds, what kind of emotions would you expect me to have? Maybe some fear about the future, maybe some sadness, maybe some anger, but I could still experience joy with God in that moment because I'm still feel connected to him. He loves me. He's happy with me. And I could feel close to you as my friend, as we talk about this, as you can communicate love and acceptance by the way you look at me, by the way you talk with me, by the, through our connection with each other. And so again, we were not meant to suffer alone. And, and you know, the, that, that, Pixar movie inside out, right? The uh, like joy th thought it had to dominate every conversation and that the other emotions, they, they didn't have a role to play. No, they do. They do have a role to play. Sometimes you need to engage that sadness. Sometimes you need to deal with the fear in front of you. That fear tells you that there's potential problems. Let's face those problems but we're supposed to face the sadness, face the fear within community, within connection. And joy should be our baseline emotion. Since joy helps us to regulate unpleasant emotions, uh, the two authors say when it runs low, we will go to non-relational sources to stop the pain. Tell me if you ever experienced this. Uh, he calls, they call this pseudo joys and uh, includes either sub substances or experiences, or maybe both that temporarily shut off the unpleasant emotions. And these are predominantly non-relational uh, and they're ultimately unsatisfying. So it's like food. When we run to food to deal with our emo negative emotions, our painful emotions. When we run to social media, when we run to shopping, when we run to alcohol or drugs or sugar or porn, these are pseudo joys. And if we don't engage with real joy, pseudo joy will become 
the norm for us. We will keep running to those pseudo joys. So again, joy is predominantly right brain function. I'm sorry, left brain. Did I get that wrong all the way through? No, it's right brain. Sorry. I've been messing that up. It's a predominantly right brain. It's supposed to be our core emotion, our default emotion. We're supposed to experience joy and then deal with the other emotions. It is primarily transmitted through the face. It's relational. It's important to God and to us and can be experienced along with painful emotions. So let's get practical. And Logan, for some reason, we're not showing timer or anything up here. So let's get practical. How can we experience joy with God in a very practical way? I think uh, Gracie, we saw in that video, Gracie's starting to experience that in a practical way. Uh, So Michael Hendricks went to Jim Wilder and he asked him that question. He goes, so so how do I do this? How do I I make joy my default emotion again? Can Can I reprogram my brain? And the answer is you, you can. And Jim talks about what he calls nonverbal gratitude. So again, the right hand side of the brain is, is predominantly, it's picture based. It's not, it's not words. It's not logic. Uh, most of the time when we express gratitude, it's through the words that we say, thank you. That was wonderful. The food was amazing. But joy is visual, right? And so, so Jim in his book talks about how we can experience non-verbal gratitude. And it's by going back and picturing these moments where we sense God showing up in our life. I pictured there were, when I first read about this, I wrote down 10 different areas, uh, 10 different experiences. Uh, when I first came to know Jesus as a kid, six years old, I'll talk about a little bit about, more about that uh, here in a moment. Um, when I reconnected with my cousin when I was 21. So there's a 15 year gap between the first memory and the second memory. Do you think that might be a problem? when joy is supposed to be our default emotion. That might be problematic. Uh, And then when I married Christy at 27, again, a a six year gap, Uh, the birth of my son, Jacob, and then my birth of my son, Josh, and then birth of joy, and then birth of Jasmine. Now uh, I'll I'll tell you, I was cheating. I was trying to come up with 10 and (laughs) I could have just said the birth of my children, but then I would have had to come up with three more pictures. And at the moment I couldn't come up with three more. So I cheated. Um, and then number eight was the way my mentor would, would uh, come up and hug me when I had done screwed up, which was early and often. 
um, he would, he would, he would hug me and he'd put his cheek right next to mine. And he'd say, Rob, I love you. It's going to be okay. And I knew that I was loved and accepted by the way he did that. Every time I did something dumb as a father, as a husband, or just as a human being, uh, as a 20 something year old man, he had to give me a lot of hugs <laughs> and he had to give me a lot of encouragement. Uh, the time that my, uh, my parents and my son and I were in Israel and we had this moment of reconciliation uh, at the base of the Mount of Olives within an uh, olive grove that's uh, close to a thousand years old, probably there at the time of Jesus. And then I picked my ordination. Now, when I first thought through these, these events within my life were, where, uh, <clears throat> where experienced God, when I first wrote these down, like I had a hard time finding 10. How about you? Can you pick 10? And, and what are the gaps? Are they days old? Are they decades old? What would you say your default emotion is? What would your friends say your default emotion is? What would your coworkers say your default emotion is? And so I had to wrestle through that. Now I will say this, that as I started working through this process on a daily basis and taking five minutes a day, just sitting down in a chair and trying not to think words, trying to picture pictures and try to connect emotionally to uh, what was going, like my physical being, like connect to the, how my body felt in that moment as I worked through this process. Uh, I, God started giving me these other pictures. And sometimes it was on the side of a mountain looking across the valley. Sometimes it was uh, at the lake with my family, uh, looking across the still waters before we'd go skiing. Uh, sometimes it was, it was at the ocean. Uh, sometimes it was my, uh, my larger family coming together for Christmas when I was a kid. Uh, there were a lot of pictures with Christy, a lot of moments with Christy. And I'm finding as I practice these memories, if I, as I engage these memories, and, and again, like I'm trying hard not to put words to what I'm experiencing, but just connect to the, the visual, because that's that side of the brain is visual. And, and connect to what the rest of my body is feeling. That's what that side of the brain wants to connect to. Uh, as I did that, I started experiencing more joy and finding joy in my life and in, in, in things. So let me take you back just to one picture, just to give you an example. When I was six years old, uh, my parents were anti-Christian, anti-God, but I had this deep sense inside of me that one, I was saved Two, that I was fortunate to be in my family 
and three, that I was fortunate to be in this country. I don't know why I knew that other than the fact that God was in my life. And when I go back and I could picture me, I could picture the wall that I stared at as a kid, as I thought these thoughts, as I reconnected that. And when I closed my eyes and I pictured that moment, I, 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 I start to smile. I don't know if you guys know this, but a couple months ago, uh, well, maybe four or five months ago now, I started practicing smiling. I think I told Gordon this. I'm like, I'm practicing smiling because I realized I don't smile. Why? Because joy is not my, hasn't been my baseline emotion. It's supposed to be. It's supposed to be your baseline emotion. It's supposed to be your neighbor's baseline emotion. It's supposed to be that guy that shows up to work every day. You know, he sounds like the guy coming, popping up out of the uh, garbage can on Sesame Street, right? <laughs> that guy, or the two guys up on the, up on the balcony from uh, Sesame Street. Those two guys. Those guys never smiled in their entire existence. They weren't designed to, they're Muppets. But you were created to enjoy your God. So habitually take time to seek his face by delighting in the memories of the ways he has shown up in your life. That's the encouragement to you. Take time to picture these moments. And oh, by the way, build new ones. We can reprogram our brain because it's, it's, it's a really fascinating computer, basically. That's what God designed it as. And just like reprogramming your phone, we had to reprogram our computer back there so that we could actually connect the computer to the, to the screen. We had, to, we had to update a software. You could update your software by taking five minutes a day and shutting off the noise, turning off the TV, anything that, you know, like this morning I turned off, I I have my worship music playing and going pause because my brain will connect to the words and I'll start going over here on the other side of the brain and I'll start using logic and trying to relate with my God in a very logical way, which, which we're supposed to do. Two, that's, that's half of it. But the other half, we're not necessarily trained to do, which is engage with our God visually and engage with those moments of God showing up. You are created and enjoy your God. Habitually take time to seek his face by delighting in the memories of the ways he's shown up in your life. And again, joy does not replace those unpleasant emotions or those unpleasant memories. We know that God shows up in the good and the bad. And I was reading through this uh, earlier this week. I was reading through the book again, just to prepare for today. And I go, wait a minute. You guys are saying I can experience joy 
and those unpleasant emotions too. That was new to me. The guys with the movie Inside Out, they got it, right? It shows up in their storyline. So what I did was I went back and I closed my eyes and I started picturing some of most, my most painful memories. I thought back to when my, when my dad had just passed and my aunt wrapped her, uh, his sister, my Aunt Jean, she wrapped her arms around my neck and she whispered in my ear, your dad was so proud of you. And I'll, and I'll say this, in the moment, seven years ago, I didn't notice the joy. But as I reflected back on it, I could reflect on both on the unpleasant memory, the unpleasant emotions, and the joy. And they were there. And the joy helped me work through that in better ways. Uh, a year and some months later, the month after my mom passed, I went on retreat with her, with the staff that was uh, the church I was a part of at the time. And we worshiped as part of our staff retreat. We'd worship a couple times a day. I bawled through every song of every day of that trip. And as I closed my eyes and I connected to that moment, I could connect to the emotion, the negative emotion, the sadness, the despair. And I could connect to the joy of being in community of people that loved me and accepted me even though I look like a blubbering idiot, idiot, just crying and celebrating God all at the same time. So we could experience those emotions, those negative emotions and joy. And then my friends, joy is to be shared. Joy is to be shared. And again, I ask you, what is the experience of the people in your life? What default emotion? Are they experiencing sadness as your default emotion? Are they experiencing anger as your default? Are they experiencing fear, shame, hopefully not disgust? despair. I, I've bounced around those six emotions as my default over the years. The joy of the Lord is our strength if we'll engage with it. And it can become other people's strength too if we'll engage with them. 
if we'll let our eyes lighten up when they walk through the door, if we'll communicate love and acceptance, whether it's the first time we've met them or the thousandth time. Thanks for listening to the Mission Ridge Church Podcast. Be sure to subscribe and share if you enjoyed this message. Mission Ridge is a church focused on relational discipleship and located in Missoula, Montana. If you are in the Missoula area, we would love to have you come and join us for worship. Service times, location, and all kinds of other fun stuff can be found on our website, missionridge.church. You can connect with Mission Ridge Church through Facebook or Instagram, so give us a like or follow. If you would like to partner with us financially, you can give securely online at missionridge.church. We'll catch you on the flip side. Thanks for tuning in.